and welcome to the Rev Sarah Shears podcast. This week our theme in church is Harvest and we're looking at extraordinary generosity with Ruth, thinking about how we might rise to the challenge of sharing what we have with others and an awareness of the fact that so many go without. Thank you to Freya, Grace and Ailsa, our young people, for our scripture readings for today, after which follows this week's reflection. Naomi had a relative named Boaz, a rich and influential man who belonged to the family of her husband, Emelich. One day, Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and gather corn that the harvest workers leave. I am sure to find someone who will let me work with them. Naomi answered, go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth went out to the fields and walked behind the workers, picking up the corn at which they left. It so happened that she was in the field that belonged to Boaz. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does it that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather amongst the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the fields where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your mother and father from and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheep and, do not, and don't reprimand her. Even pull some stalks out from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth went on gathering corn in the field until evening. And when she had beaten it out, she found she had nearly 10 kilograms she took the corn back into town and showed her mother-in-law how much she had gathered. She also gave her the food left over from the meal. Naomi asked her, where did you gather all this from? Whose fields have you been working on? May God bless the man that took an interest in you. Ruth told Naomi that she had been working in the field that belongs to the name named Boaz. May the Lord bless Boaz, Naomi exclaimed. The Lord always keeps his promises to the living and the dead. And she went on. That man is a close relative of ours, one of those responsible for taking care of us. Then Ruth said, best of all, he told me to keep picking up corn with his workers until they finished the harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, yes, my daughter, it will 
be better work for you with women in Boaz's field. You might be molested if you went to someone else's field. So Ruth worked with them and gathered corn until all the barley and wheat had been harvested and she continued to live with her mother-in-law. 1 John chapter 3 verses 16 to 18 This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. My wonderful gran stopped watching the news because she couldn't bear the images on the screens. As a child at her place, I remember the pictures from the famines in Ethiopia and the stories and the news and the adverts trying to raise money and appeals and so on. Their distended stomachs and bones so readily apparent. Her heart broke for them. And over the years, those images still appear on our screen, but perhaps not quite with such frequency as they did. Not because it's not happening, and sadly we are facing serious famines in part of the world. But somehow there is so much going on that these stories are lost in the medley of others. Somehow we know everything and nothing. Unfortunately, this information overload can push many of us to be like my gran. If I don't look, I don't have to see. We know, but we don't know. And maybe that helps us understand Jesus when he says things like they have ears but don't hear, have eyes but cannot see. Harvest for me is one of those times when we are challenged to look, to see and to appreciate. We might be counting the pennies, wondering whether to feed ourselves or heat ourselves. And I absolutely get that, but we are still blessed. I was in a primary school last week and showed them apples from a tree growing on the corner of Devrin Road near where I stay. It wasn't in somebody's garden. It was in one of these wee pavement bits that over the years has really kind of come into its own, shall we say. And I said to the children, I said, I didn't buy these apples in a supermarket. And they gasped. I mean, I was actually genuinely quite surprised because they gasped. I went, I picked these from a tree. And that for many of them just seemed bizarre. Harvest is important for so many reasons and that has to be one of them. It is one of those multi-layered festivals rather like Christmas, although perhaps not as big a deal, shall we say. It's an opportunity to celebrate again the generosity of God. I mean, God invented food from apples to zucchini or courgettes in English, that we are genuinely spoilt for choice. Throw in spices and herbs, meat, fish, grain, legumes, beans, rice, the list goes on. We are blessed by wonders of the recipes from around the world. I mean, growing up for me, dinner was mince and tatties and meat and two veg and fish on Fridays, whether you were Catholic or not. And of course, that epic treat, a chippy tea. And when macaroni cheese came along, oh my goodness. Our children have no idea how fortunate they are, and yet they still eat beige food. 
But harvest isn't just about our personal gratitude for what we have. It also makes us think about others, whether it's fair trade or justice issues, climate change or poverty. Harvest reminds us that the earth and the people are interconnected and that we need each other. I mean, we talk about the fact that if the bees die out, we're all scuppered. I'm not sure if any of you have been watching the Michael Palin series um, where he's just gone into Iraq. The shocking sight of the desert where actually green lands used to be. The world is changing rapidly and I don't think we have truly grasped how much that will impact on us in the West as well as the communities that are already struggling. The story of Ruth is set in the world of famine. Naomi's family had originally gone to Moab to escape the famine. They wanted to feed their children and have a better life. Does that not sound familiar? We don't know the timeline, but Naomi's husband died and she's left with her two sons who marry Moabite women. Now this would have been frowned upon, to put it mildly, back in her hometown. Israelites were not meant to marry into other tribes. Sadly, the two boys die, leaving Naomi with two daughters-in-laws that she cannot help and she cannot provide for. So Naomi does the only thing really that's left for her and goes home and frees the two women to return to their own people, remarry, have lives of their own. After all, she has nothing for them. One goes home with much tears, but Ruth makes that infamous promise to stay, to convert to the Israelite way of life and to follow God. And this fascinates me on one level because really all Ruth has seen of God is famine, bereavement, death, grief in spades. And we know that Naomi ends up feeling bitter and lost, so it isn't really great company either. There's not much hope there. Have you ever wondered why Ruth stayed? Perhaps God made Ruth's heart so soft towards Naomi. She was the answer to Naomi's prayer, the prayer that Naomi might not even have realised she was making as her heart cried out to God in her pain and her bitterness. Show me why I must live, for everything I had is gone. For me, this is an example of God's extraordinary generosity. So just as a wee aside, you might be feeling lost or bitter, wondering where God is. Pause for a moment and have a wee look about. Maybe not literally, maybe just in your mind. Who are the ones who keep talking to you, offering you friendship, even though you might be pushing them away or shutting them out. Sometimes there are angels in our midst, answers to prayer, to look more like Ruth than a winning lottery ticket. Ruth herself did not fit in in Bethlehem. She would have stood out like a sore thumb. She was other, an incomer, a foreigner, her skin tone different, her practices and fashion a talking point, and she was not to be trusted. Indeed, she was a possible target for menfolk who couldn't keep it in their pants. Boaz had to order his men 
not to molest her and advised her not to go into other fields for the same reason. They weren't to bully her, bother her, or indeed invade her personal space. And we love to romanticize this tale, and there is much to, to, to do that with. And it's certainly one of providence and generosity, but it does have a dark side. But for what we're looking at, Boaz respects this young woman. He knows what she did, the sacrifices that she made for her mother-in-law. Some of us would cheerfully have left our mother-in-law to get on with our own lives, but not Ruth. Her act of kindness, indeed extraordinary generosity to Naomi, changes her life and the life of her mother-in-law for good. But she doesn't do it for any sense of reward. In the beginning, there is no reward. Naomi is quite clear she has nothing to offer these girls. Yet, Ruth's actions brought her to Boaz and would eventually make her the great-grandmother of King David and be recorded in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. But when she was first offered the chance to go home, she didn't take it. Sometimes, the sacrifices that we make we do not fully know the reward of until much later. Boaz willingly parts with his prophets to support Ruth and in turn Naomi. Gathering in the fields was normal practice for the poor and it was expected as part of gathering the harvest. It was a way to support the community and allow those who had nothing to get something. Perhaps in a sense, original food banks. They would follow on behind the harvesters picking up the dropped grains and corns and Boaz made it possible for Ruth to get more than just the scraps, more than just what was left behind. But he also wanted to make a profit and yet we know he was rich and influential so maybe yeah he had a little bit more to be generous with but you don't get rich by giving it all away either. So, interesting. But it makes me wonder, thinking about Boaz's motivations, how generous we really are with what we have. How much perhaps we appreciate what we've got. Maybe Boaz knew that it wouldn't hurt to give her a little bit more. Most of us, will give from what we have left over, not from that which would cost us. It would have affected his bottom line, so to speak. Boaz didn't just protect Ruth so she could gather without fear. He also told them to leave her extras, like to even pull the corn from the sheath so that she could pick them up. I suppose this bit is for those who have enough disposable income that we don't really worry quite so much about the cost of living crisis. It still affects us, but not as much as it might. And I wonder, have we stopped and looked properly to see who is gathering at the edges of our fields? Have you driven past Calderwood Baptist Church and seen the queue for the food bank? Or wherever you find yourself, 
have you noticed the cues for the food bank? Let me share statistics with you from East Kilbride. In one week in September, the East Kilbride Community Food Bank distributed 179 food parcels to 156 households, supporting 213 adults and 67 children. In one week, over the course of this year, they have seen a 27% increase. In the last year, they have distributed 6,971 food parcels to 6,147 households, covering 8,081 8, adults and 2,339 children. Lord, we weep. And there are two food banks operating in East Kilbride. That's just one of them. My children, God love them. They walk in the door and the cupboards are full and they still moan that I haven't got the right sweets or that dinner has too much flavour. I grew up as parents counting every penny, making dinners that only as an adult do I appreciate how tight it was at times. And yet I never saw my mum refuse to feed anyone, no matter who came to the house. You heard this verse just before the reflection. This is how we know what love is. Christ gave his life for us. We too then ought to give our lives for others. If we are rich and see others in need, yet close our hearts against them, how can we claim that we love God? My children, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. I know I could do more. I know as a church we can do more and we're working on that. We're looking at a number of options. We're strengthening our link with the food bank and I hope that we will have a rep working with them just to keep us more in the know. Just as Ruth was Naomi's angel, maybe we can be an angel to another. So let me encourage you to pay attention to what is going on in your communities, your work, your schools, your families, your streets. Boaz knew what was happening and once he was introduced to Ruth, he knew her story. He knew where she came from and who she belonged to. We can't fix everything, but God knows who we can help. And sometimes it's just that simple act of kindness that will make all the difference. May this harvest season remind us of the extraordinary generosity of God who withheld nothing from us, including his son. And may that gratitude just blossom and bubble over and that we will be, it will be seen in how we work together to love and support those in need, whether they be foreign to us or not. Remember, anybody can be in need at any point in their life. And at the end of the day, we all need each other. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. Amen. Thank you for joining with us on this week's podcast. And I hope that you'll join with us again next week, where Heather brings our reflection on extraordinary journeys, looking at the story of Joseph. I pray that you have a blessed week. Bye for now.